This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I will not fight. TNT, I'm a power load. TNT, watch me Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. It is Monday. It's 8 p.m. Pacific time. You know what that means? That means it's time for the Andrea K. Show coming at you from the AM 1170 KCBQ studios here in San Diego. You know what it also means? That I'm going to have lots of fun and I'm also sharing this time with my guy, my boy, DJ Dijon. Hey. <laughs> Hey. One day I'll get really good at sounding excited. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you better start sounding excited because we got some more promos that we got to record. Yeah, we coming do. Up. You know, uh, Dijon used to be like my, he was my star performer in my old promos at my old station. And we've kind of, you know, our, our, they were like parody promos for those of you who remember my show back in the old days. And we, well, until Russell booted me out of town. Right. <laughs> exactly. But we used to have so much fun doing our parody promos and we're going to get back into it. So those of you who are in San Diego, stay tuned because you're going to be cruising around during the day listening to AM 1170. And all of a sudden you're going to hear me and Dijon having some fun, just like the old days uh, used to. Uh, my promos, of course, don't play nationally. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me here tonight. Um, in addition to talking about the collusions, the cooperation, the collaboration that was me and Dijon and our buddy Rick back at the old station, our key, we used to say we, our, we knew we had it right with our promos, which were completely improv when we had the right amount of stupid. In it. That was kind of our thing, right, Dijon, when we had the right amount of stupid? Just the right amount of Just stupid. Just the right amount of stupid. Well, I'm asking you today whether or not you think that all this this talk about collusion and the cooperation, the collaboration, and all that going on with Cruz and Kasich, how's that for alliteration? Uh, whether or not you think it's got just the right amount of stupid, whether or not you think it's got way too much stupid in that idea, or if it's not stupid enough. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Because, you know, of course, we've got um, we've got two camps of campaign supporters that cannot acknowledge any mistake or misstep on the part of their candidate. No matter what their candidate does, it's genius. It's brilliant. They're kind of like some campaign supporters today. Candidate supporters are like parents who love their children unconditionally. No matter how bad their kid is performing in the dance recital or singing in the singing recital, they're going to act as though it was, you know, absolutely brilliant and, you know, better than anything that they've ever seen before. Um, but we've got a lot of other people that, that are, are intellectually honest with themselves and with others that could acknowledge that aren't so emotionally invested, they can say, you know what, I, I like this guy here, but what he did over here kind of has me troubled. And, you know, that's that's kind of what I've seen play out with this collusion story, the collaboration between Cruz and Kasich, in which they decided to, to join together by 
temporary temporarily suspending their campaigns in individual states in order to mount a joint effort to stop Trump from winning the 1,237 delegates going into the con- convention. In other words, they're doing what they can to force a contested convention. Now, there's some people who think that that's absolutely brilliant on the part of Cruz and Kasich to do that. There's other people that are Cruz and Kasich supporters who, like me, have some concerns about that. And I'm going to get that into that in a minute. Of course, your diehard Trump supporters are going to say that this is absolutely, you know, um, intolerable and part of the issue that we've had. But there's also Trump supporters. And I and and I've got my criticisms of this move here. But I also criticized Trump last week for what he said in regards to the North Carolina bathroom situation. And we're going to get into that story in a little bit. So I am an equal opportunity criticizer. I call it out. And the mistakes where I see them on all sides and by everybody, it's costing me some friendships. It's costing me some professional support because I am not willing to give a full-throated endorsement of anybody without criticism. So if you're listening to me now and you don't want anything to do with Andrea Kay anymore because she dares to criticize your guy, that's okay with me. I can live with it. Because I was a part of an incredible ground game back in the day. That helped usher in a Republican president, think because he ran as a conservative and they ended up governing in large part like a liberal, expanding government in in ways that were unnecessarily uh, unnecessary and caused us damage as well as expanding the debt. And so I now it's one that's one of the main reasons why I don't advocate for any party or Paula advocate for ideas. And I'm not alone because after the Republican Party betrayed its people. In an egregious manner after they were given the majority in 2014, every American has a right to put everyone who's currently an elected official, that includes Ted Cruz, and everybody else associated with the party, all the -the behind-the-scenes analysts and all these behind-the-scenes people on the take-in media and these consultants, the consulting class, all of them who have much to gain by what's going on right now, by the party division, by taking it to a contested convention, by making sure that the power structures that are currently in, in place remain. Um, all those people, they, they don't want you to put them as well as the system and the party under the microscope. And because they don't want that to be under the microscope, which is absolutely understandable, the American people should not trust anybody who's in power right now. They absolutely shouldn't. So we've got the year of the outsider going on. We've got what I said months ago, what this election was really about for both sides was it's really about betrayal. It's about people who feel like they're not being listened to, that they were promised certain things on the campaign trail by people who then turned around and got in office and betrayed the promises that they made. And so now everything that's going on, including every caucus, including every primary, including what's going on with every delegate is subject to inspection and question and shame on anybody who tries to silence that. So now we've got so that and that's in play right now. I have a right. And so does everybody else to question the system that's going on and what's happening with the various campaigns. What happened with Cruz and Kasich you know, was troubling to me from a variety of standpoints. I absolutely saw Cruz as a conservative. He was one of my top people initially. He and Walker and Carson, actually not Trump, going into back when this, uh, back a year ago, when this whole thing first started. I saw him in the way that he's positioned himself initially as the insider, the outsider from the inside. But you look at what's going on now, and it seems as though more and more and more and more and more. And this play with Kasich, you know, when you partner 
with a long time entrenched 40 year establishment, Republican in name only, open border amnesty guy. Partner with that person. I've got a right to, to suspect that you're a little bit more establishment than you've led people to believe that you are. Not to mention the fact that it absolutely does show weakness when you're going around saying that Trump is too scared to have a debate with you, but you're too scared to go out on your own and and face the consequences of whether or not you're going to get enough votes and therefore enough delegates going into the convention that you've got to partner with Kasich like this tells me that you're a little afraid of what's actually happening out there with the voters. I posed the question, how does it translate last week? I said, how does it translate? What does it say about Cruz that he has to go around the actual voters? We all get that the delegate system in place has been in place for many years. We all get that it's not illegal to do this, but it does raise questions about somebody's own electability and viability when the only path for them is these kinds of backroom establishment deals that the voters have already said they're sick of. When you have to go around the voters to go to delegates and woo them, what does it say? Like everybody, I agree with Ted Cruz. The overall objective should be to beat Hillary in November. Intentionally dividing the party is only going to make that even less of a possibility. And this absolutely does. I am not opposed to getting to a contested convention. If that is a result of primaries and caucuses and people voting or people choosing not to vote or even Kasich staying in the race, even though he wasn't long past being mathematically eliminated. If we arrive at a contested convention because that is through the people, then let the chips fall by all means. Let If we arrive there through the people, let it go forward according to the current rules. I then don't want, even if it arrives there, by the will of the people, I don't want to see shenanigans and I don't want to see deals being done with the Rules Committee in order to manipulate and subvert the will of the people in order to put in who they want to put in. But what we have with this with this alliance between Cruz and Kasich is we have a manipulation of the system. We have, we have an, an, a blatant attempt to force a contested event convention through manipulation of the system and, and intentionally subverting and, and manipulating the voters as well. I can't feel good about that. It does not mean that come June 7 that I wouldn't necessarily vote for Ted Cruz. I haven't endorsed anybody. I'm evaluating everybody. But I have a right to and, and I ask everybody to, to take the blinders off to whoever your candidate is and start to look at them objectively. Because the message needs to go to the Republican Party when it gets to the contested convention. At least the message is for me is you cannot automatically count on my vote just because I'm a Republican. We've got Bill Crystal who's saying that uh, talk about the power structure of the elite and the media. Bill Crystal is out there saying that the voters deserve better than a Clinton and a Trump choice and that if he has his way, it would be a third party. Of course, it'd be a third party candidate picked by the establishment. I've been asking for years, how do we take a party back when they count on us? And, and, and for good reason, everybody right now has been saying anybody but Hillary. I, I'm starting to question that now. I don't want Hillary. But I also, if we're just going to end up being in, a, and I know I'm contradicting myself, but this is coming to me as I'm sitting here. What do we do? Even if Trump, even if we don't have a contested convention because Trump shows up with 1,237 
somebody, uh, Melissa posed the question earlier, even if Trump gets the nomination, how is he going to be able to win in November if we have an entire establishment apparatus and media with people like Bill Kristol who are determined that they would rather have Hillary and we've got all in, as part of the Never Trump movement? I've been posing the question for years. What do we do? How do we take our party back? I'm beginning to wonder if the thing that we needed to do was a while ago was to be willing to sacrifice some elections and start and mount a really strong third party candidate years ago. Because what have we, what have we advanced to this point? Where are we now? This move with Cruz and Kasich has done more when we have been talking about needing unity, when CPAC was talking about needing unity, when Dr. Gina was giving a speech on the floor of CPAC calling for unity. What was that two months ago? We're we're even farther from unity than we ever were before. This fosters more division among the party than before. It's one thing to show up at a contested convention because that's just the way it shook out with the people and there was no shenanigans going on. It's another thing to have it forced on us through manipulation of the system and manipulation of the voter votes because you've got the mindset that you, just like the GOP establishment, you know better than the people, you're smarter than the people, and the people need you to shut up and go away. And then on top of it, to try to frame that and spin that as though this is somehow a path to unity is incredibly insulting to me. I don't know how we're going to unify if, if it continues like this because we're even farther and farther apart from it. And this certainly doesn't do anything to help anybody's electability because all we're doing is tearing each other apart and tearing each other down. Somebody also said on Facebook today that maybe what this this election should be going into 2016 is burn it all, burn it down. It should be an anti-incumbent election. We should have primary challenges everywhere we could. It's a little late for that. But everywhere an incumbent is coming up, we should just throw them out. And it's either that or a revolution. I'm really interested to hear what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Let's join the discussion. Let's try to figure this out in a way that we can come together because we can, like I said, we continue on this path. Hillary will get the nomination. I'm shocked to see that Cruz seems to think that this is somehow a way to unify us because I don't. And I also want to say one point before I go to break, I'm seeing so many different comments on Facebook from a variety of different people, including some high profile people, that if, if, if a candidate doesn't have a certain understanding of the delegate situation and how it all works, that how are they going to understand the Bill of Rights and the Constitution? Did we not learn from President Obama that having an incredible ground game? Knowing how to work every delegate in every delegate in every congressional district does not automatically translate to an administration that respects the Bill of Rights and the U.S. Constitution. Can we get back to criteria of candidates on the basis of who they are as people, what their past shown in terms of what they stand for and what they support and what they're saying on the campaign trail that they are going to do once they become president of the United States? I'm going to take a break. We come back. I'm going to talk to Gail Trotter. Y'all know Gail. Incredibly. Talk about intellectually honest. Talk about somebody who can be objective about a candidate. That's why I want her on the show today to to talk about this collaboration, this collusion. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. 
proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Kasia, glad to have you here with me. Can you understand my confusion there, Dijon? Did that... I do that specifically to confuse you. <laughs> That's a song from uh, one of the... Um sponsor advertisements that's used. So, hey, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Before the break, I was talking about the collusion, supposedly. The the cahoots that's going on. The in cahoots. And no, I'm not talking about the country western uh, club that's here in San Diego. I used to I used to kick it doing some serious line dancing in cahoots back in the day, but I'm <laughs> I did, Dijon, don't laugh. I want to ride a bull. You you know what? I did that once. Did you? I did. Down in Tijuana, I was with my sales team at Xerox. This is a funny story. I'll tell you this real quick, then I'll bring Gail into the show, because I know that's who you want to hear from anyway. So I'm down there on my sales team on what we called Mandatory Fun Day, which um, they would literally give us money to spend at Xerox and tell us to go off and have fun together. Team Day, it was called. And it actually really worked, because I mean, by the, by the time you do all these team days with each other, I mean, you've got no other life. It's your family. This is who you hang out with. So we're down in Tijuana on Team Day, and I'm there with my buddy Heather Lindsay Raymond, my friend on Facebook, by the way. I'm going to have to tease her about this, remind her of this. So we're down there at a Mexican place that's got a mechanical bull in there. So I challenged Heather. She's this competitive eye. I'm like, hey, let's let's do a little bull riding competition here. She's like, sure. You know, she Heather would do anything, right? So I'm like, I'll go first. So I go up. And of course, I slipped the guy some money, right, to go easy on me <laughs> to have it. So I, That's I, dirty. Oh, well, of course. So I, I give him I give him like 20 bucks. I tell him to put it like level two out of 10 for me. But of course, I flop around like it's like it's really tough for me. But I come off looking fabulous. So then Heather gets on there thinking it's going to be, you know, go go that great for her, too. <laughs> he threw her off that bull in like two seconds. She hit the ground like a safe. <laughs> well, now she knows. Yeah, now she she knew then I admitted to it. But anyway, I got to have a laugh because this has just gotten like so serious. Before the break, I was talking about the collusion that's going on, uh, the accused collusion on the Cruz and Kasich partnership to take out Trump. And welcome back to the Andrea K. Show, Gail Trotter. And what's your take on it before I give you my perspective and ask a couple of other questions? 
Well, I have to add to the mechanical bull story first. Okay. The time I've done the mechanical bull riding was at the stockyards in Fort Fort Worth outside of Dallas. And (laughs) it was very memorable. So I didn't think to pay anybody to make it easier. And I didn't get thrown off of it. But I guess they just looked at me and took pity on me. But (laughs) back on the other topic. Well, hey. Interesting. Well, let me me say, if if you put a smile on anybody's face when they were watching you, gorgeous. Beautiful Gail with that hair, then you did good for the people there in Dallas, Fort Worth. But anyway, cruising Kasich. Yes, so it's so fascinating. I was reading Donald Trump's press release. I think it came out just a little while ago talking about this collusion between Cruz and Kasich. And it's very interesting to me because a lot of Trump's criticism, particularly of Cruz, is that he will not make deals, that he's not a good deal maker, that he was an obstructionist in the Senate. He you know, had all the senators not liking him, and, and he stood up for principle, but at the cost of doing anything effective. And so I think this alliance between Kasich and Cruz completely undercuts that point that Donald Trump is trying to make, because here's an example where Cruz does not have to compromise his principles at all, at all. It's not they're not linking shields. They're they're not coming up with a party platform. They're just being strategic in trying to deny Donald Trump the 1237 delegates he would need to win on the first Ballot. So in doing that, Cruz is showing in particular that Donald Trump's criticism of him is incorrect because he is strategic about this partnership, which does not compromise his principles, but may allow the delegates to go to the second ballot where Cruz has an amazing ground game. And obviously Kasich is not he, he's not a really a close contender. Uh, so it is it shows the strategy that Cruz is able to employ on behalf half a victory. Well, um, that's an interesting point. And but like so much debate going on in the campaigns, one person can make a very valid criticism of, of the other campaign that actually also applies to their own. For example, when you first started talking about the deals, yeah, you know, Trump wrote a book, The Art of the Deal. But he was he was also criticized by the Cruz campaign because he had said that one of the things that he would do would be to strike deals when he got in there. So, you know, so again, it's like finger pointing back and forth at each other, criticizing each other for the very same thing. And to me, it kind of washes itself out. And I think that from, from the voter standpoint, where, where I think this was a misstep on Cruz's part from a strategy standpoint, was that it does look like locking shields with somebody who is Cruz has positioned himself as the outsider from within. And now he's gone and partnered, partnered with a long time deeply entrenched establishment guy who's an open border amnesty guy. I mean, I don't know anybody, uh, not even my own family in Ohio voted for him. That's uh, Kasich. And so I do think that it was, and I've heard from so many crew supporters today that it's made them rethink him because it's damaged because that's, it has affected his brand and he's already, there's already a lot of people that have felt like he was disingenuous and not completely forthright about who he really was and how entrenched he was with the establishment. He's kind of he's kind of got a similar issue as Trump does in terms of is he really who he says he is? Well, I will tell you, being based in D.C., that I have a lot of contact with establishment people, with anti-establishment people. And Cruz is despised by the establishment people because he is so principled. But I think you have a good point in saying that he has lost a little bit of the messaging strategy on this. He needs to be able to get out there and say that the alliance with 
Kasich doesn't change his core principles at all, but he is being strategic. And to emphasize that point that he can make deals on things that are negotiable. There are lots of things in life that are negotiable, and there are things that are not negotiable. So if Cruz can turn it around and get the message back to Donald Trump is accusing me of linking shields with Kasich when it has no impact on policy for Americans, and yet this is the candidate who not only supported Hillary Clinton, he gave money to to Clinton, to Pelosi, to Reid, who worked day after tireless day to try and advance the progressive liberal agenda. And I think if Cruz has the ability to turn that messaging around, it could be a real strength to him to show that he can negotiate in the places where it's proper to well, make deals. Well, I think that he, he well, he should probably be taking some advice from you, Gail, because he's not framing it that way. In <laughs> fact, one of the big missteps that he made last week was that when he was on with Hannity, who I thought, you know, teed it up for him nicely. By the way, this is the Andrea K. Show you're listening to, and I'm talking to Gail Trotter. I thought Hannity did him a favor and teed it up to him to explain exactly that he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just following the rules of the of, of the ground game and basically said, oh, the only people who are, who are carrying about this or the diehard Trump supporters, the Trumpsters. And it was so dismissive of Trump supporters, the way he framed it. It was nasty. And he's going to need Trump supporters if he ends up playing the game as well as he, as he is planning to and ends up winning the nomination. Going into the general, his unfavorables within the Republican Party are almost as high as Trump's. He and has a real like and, and because... he's not helping himself when he speaks in such a tone. He had the American people and the voters have every right to question what is happening in the electoral the electoral process. And for him to dismiss anybody and to do it in the tone that he did hurt him. Well, without question, the American people have the absolute responsibility and obligation to question this process going forward. But there is certainly a double standard. And with Donald Trump in the press release, as we have become very accustomed to, he calls out Ted Cruz over and over again as a lying Ted, which he backed off of after his New York victory. And he should have stayed backed off of that, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, for Republicans in general, this hurts the Republican cause to have that tone. But I think it's very difficult when these candidates, I mean, they have put themselves in, they have sacrificed their families, they have sacrificed so much in order to be out there because they see what the difficulty is that our country is facing right now. So I think that there shouldn't be a double standard between Cruz and Trump. But I think Trump like you said, he should have backed off the lying Ted, and we see it coming out again. And I think that hurts him with a lot of conservatives who like a lot of the positions he's ta- Trump has taken, but they don't like his tone. Well, and I think that that's one of the reasons why it was a misstep for Cruz to get down and and. and- start adopting the same tone. In fact, there was a poll from a university that I, that I brought in with me, Gail, but honestly, it's like the, the print is so small without, I'm going to have to buy reading glasses. It's clear to me now. Um, but it was talk. it was a thousand people uh, participated in this poll. It was done by an independent uh, group and it was all Republicans. And they basically said that they were, re- I think the word was repulsed by the tone. And that was the poll that said that Cruz's unfavorables un- un- were almost as high as Trump's when he's selling on his website, bibs and mocking. I mean, it's, he's, he's gone the way of Rubio and it didn't help Rubio either. 
If you no, want to, if not. you want to call Kurt Trump out, if you highlight Trump's bad tone, don't adopt it because the second you do, you've now lost the high road and you don't have a position anymore with which to criticize in terms of tone. I want to shift it a little bit and talk to you about electability because I was watching a little bit of the town hall last night and uh, a Hillary supporter stood up, a young gal. And honestly, I was embarrassed on the part of the Republicans. I don't know who was in that crowd. But the way they booed her down, I thought Great. was really inappropriate. Shame on all y'all. There's no way I would have booed a young gal like that in a town oh, hall. Clearly not. Terrible. Yeah. Um, but what really, what, what actually bothered me was, and, and it's a concern that I've had about Cruz, in, is what his strategy is going forward to beat Hillary. I think that the mantra, I don't think any of them can say right now that none of them can beat Hillary. I think it's way too soon to be saying that. So I don't like that being said about any of Same. them. And, and when it comes to electability, we must have somebody who is willing to do. You cannot take a spork to a knife fight to go up against Hillary because we will be doomed again. And what I heard from Ted Cruz was was Mitt Romney all over again. She asked the question, how are you going to how are you going to defeat Hillary or how are you going to campaign against Hillary? And his response was so lackluster. It was so weak. It was, well, I'm going to do like I am in the primary and I'm going to say to her, you know, you talk about income inequality for women. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, validating a major left left concern against the Republican Party. And then he went on to say basically nothing. It was the destructive failed policies of the Clinton Obama and he basically gave a non answer. And I thought we we go down that road and we're dead. We're dead. Right, well I would like to hear someone say when these questions come up to say the war on poverty was brought to you by Democratic President Lyndon Johnson and the left lost the war on poverty. And this is so typical of the left when they have a losing proposition then they go out they come up with a new term and they start advancing that so the war on poverty was an utter failure the the family the disadvantaged families are in a much worse place now than they were in the 1960s and so we have this income inequality and republicans need to not be afraid to push back to not accept that label of right. income inequality and say no this is just a war on poverty and you all lost that because your ideas are from the 1950s and they don't work and if we right. had the ability to push back on that. And I think on the electability issue, the thing that the Democrats don't have that the Republicans are all fighting against is the mainstream media. I wrote a piece in the Daily Caller about this, the Boston Globe coming out with the front page with the fake news. If Donald Trump were elected president, all these terrible things would happen. We had the Time magazine cover article against Senator Ted Cruz. It was supposed to be objective journalism. It was a long form slanted rant against Senator Ted Cruz. So not only do Donald Trump and Cruz have to fight each other and deal with that tone that you're talking about, they have constant bombardment by the mainstream media, which is very, very hard to overcome. Even for Trump, who has become very skilled at media and is very good at getting out there and getting ridiculous amounts of earned mm -hmm. media, it's still it's a constant battering that they take that Hillary and Bernie do not have to put up with. Absolutely. And but we better find a way to do a couple of things. Trump's already mastered how to cre create a narrative when he wants to make a story 
at the top of the Drudge Report or anywhere else, he gets it out there. He knows how to to create the narrative and, and create the story that's going to be talked about this week instead of constantly playing defense like every other Republican. But we also better come up with a way to counter the socialist message that it does. Bernie yeah. is not the only socialist running for office. Hillary is. And to yeah. me, Cruz's response last night was not as forceful as yours was. And we will lose if we have that weak, lukewarm type of, of approach to Hillary going into the general election. We better be have a message to counter the truth about socialism and why it has failed everywhere it's ever been in, in, implemented. And we've got to have a way to explain to people why opportunity is better than entitlement. And so far, I have not heard that from anybody. No, and the idea that opportunity for all and favoritism towards none. If you drive that home with Bernie and Hillary's plans, that they are not giving opportunity for all, and they are they have relied their whole lives on favoritism, especially Hillary Clinton with her Clinton Foundation and all of the ridiculous amount of, of wealth that she has been able to accumulate, not because she built anything. She wasn't Steve Jobs. She wasn't Bill Gates. She didn't create Uber, she created a massive amount of wealth mm-hmm. through political influence, through power. And that should be driven home over and over again. It's a kleptocracy that Hillary Clinton is promising us, not opportunity right. for all. Absolutely. And I tell you something else. I want to hear one of the things that I loved about Fiorina when she was in the race, and I was bummed that she got out when she did, because if for no other reason than her up on that stage was she was the one who took it to Hillary each and every time she spoke. And she never let Hillary off the hook for Benghazi. And I really want to, and I haven't heard it mentioned from any of the true Trump, uh, Cruz or Kasich in a long time. And Cruz is not telling me or the people that he's willing to go to the Clinton Foundation and her corruption is what the email scandal or Benghazi. He, he, from all indications, he's not going the, uh, to those areas and we must, or we're going to, we've got a chance that it, we can't take it for granted. That we're going to win. They pivot to that. They may pivot. I mean, I think that's why you hear Clinton has now, or not Clinton, Trump has given Clinton the nickname Crooked Hillary. Right. And that's clearly a reference to the email and the Clinton Foundation. So it seems like he's trying to pivot to that. Yeah. But it would be great to see Trump and Cruz going after Hillary, turning their fire on her instead of giving her a pass in this entire run-up. Because Bernie, even though he's done very well with a lot of people across the country, he just is unwilling to engage on those issues where Hillary is most vulnerable. Right. Well, except that I heard that Rosaria Dawson, um, an actress who... I guess I can't, can't even think of a thing that she's done. I don't even think I know who Rosario Dawson is, other than the fact that she brought up Monica Lewinsky's name at a Bernie right. Sanders rally. <laughs> oh, the look on people's faces. That was crazy, Gail. Oh, yes, Yeah, I can't. I, I can picture her face, but I can't remember what maybe she was in ER. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. she I definitely have seen her in a bunch of movies. Yeah. And oh, I know she did the movie Rent. Oh, yeah, she did okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Gail, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. Okay. We're going to take a break. We come back. We've got more to talk about. We've got to talk about the fact that, did you hear, there's all this collusion gate going on. 250 troops being sent over. Just 250. Weren't we supposed to not have any more boots on the ground? And is that enough? If we're going to send 250 over, is that, can they do the job? We're going to talk about it the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Want more Andrea Kay? 
Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation, a fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. I went long on that last break because I just can't get enough of that Gail Trotter. That is one amazing gal, and she's so smart and so intellectually honest, and I just love rapping with people that, you know, can, you know, can see things from all different angles. Um Speaking of perspective, though, tomorrow's is we got a we got kind of a mini Super Tuesday coming up tomorrow. We've got Connecticut, Rhode Island, Delaware, Maryland and Pennsylvania. They're all going to vote tomorrow. Um, right now, it looks like Trump is up by 26 points in Pennsylvania, 34 in, in Connecticut and 38 in Rhode Island. Good grief. Uh, no wonder, you know, Kasich pulled out in, in Indiana. We, we I did fail to mention at the top of the show, though, that it looks like uh, Cruz picked up 19 of the 20 delegates in Maine this weekend, which is interesting. It's so liberal up there in Maine. It's kind of crazy. Speaking of crazy, 250 troops going over. Let's see where they're going. They're going over to Syria to fight the Islamic State. 250 troops. I don't know what they're supposed to do over there faced with the thousands and thousands of ISIS when we could have just, you know, all the, the planes we've sent over there that came back with their loads and didn't drop a bomb. Um, are we going to have better rules of engagement for these 250 troops? What are they going to do over there if they can't, if their rules of engagement are as bad as the planes that weren't dropping any loads over there? This is nothing but a really bad band-aid at the expense of our military. 
The rules of engagement in Afghanistan left us with more dead military during the first four years of Obama than the entire eight years of Afghanistan under President Bush. The only difference was that the media didn't report on it. And it's because the rules of engagement left them with one arm tied behind their back. We've got guys that have been, we have one military man, I don't remember if it was Marine or, or Army, that was being dis- prosecuted, if not dishonorably discharged, because he reported on a rape that was being done on a, on a boy from an Afghan official. That's the kind of rules of engagement we have. We better get a commander-in-chief in with some brains. That's what we need. Speaking of brains, my next guest is here. Al Arias. From Avi Arias and Company. Now, you longtime Andrea K. friends, going back to the old Biz Talk days, remember Al Arias. You also remember him from close up on San Diego Business. Al is one of the hottest CPAs, and his firm, Avi Arias and Company, is an amazing CPA firm here in San Diego. And you might be like, well, Andrea, why are you bringing Al Arias in on the Andrea K. show? Well, because what do we talk about on the Andrea K. show? We talk about economic issues and policies that affect every American. Last week, we had Americans moaning and groaning over tax uh, policies because their taxes were due. And we've had a lot of debates in the past few weeks on my Facebook wall. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm on Facebook about flat tax. And the viability of flat tax and all the different tax plans that different candidates are coming out on. I had someone on my show a while back who said that there's absolutely no way that a flat tax is ever going to be implemented in America because people like Al, as well as other entire industries around taxes, would go out of business. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show, Al Arias. What are my rules of engagement? You're... <laughs> Your ROE are always to tell me I'm right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ever wrong? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just don't ever admit it. (laughs) So flat tax. Before you give any of your wisdom, the flat tax is supposed to make it so that everybody contributes versus we've got right now, you know, the evil 1% paying most of the taxes uh, in America, at least income taxes. Because every American pays taxes, right, Al? If they go pump gas at the gas station, they're paying taxes, right? They go buy eggs at the grocery store, they're paying taxes, right? Even the illegals. Yeah, everybody pays taxes. Everybody. Everybody pays taxes. So the idea behind a flat tax is really more about the income tax, right? And it's really under the idea of that we all pay taxes, but we don't all pay income tax. And that's really where the brunt of the revenue to the federal government comes in, correct? That's correct. Right. So you'd be out of business, Al. No, I wouldn't. You wouldn't? Why? Well, because that's not the only thing I do, income taxes. I actually am a strategist, a business strategist. Okay. So um, you know that a lot of my activity is involved in helping companies make more money. And then the best part is they get to keep more because of... uh, how we apply strategic thought to their income tax problems and their business problems. But it starts with the business problems. Okay. So the good news then is because there's a lot of people that were saying, well, we can't do that. We can't, you know, come up with a tax plan that's going to put industries out of business. So my buddy Al is going to stay in business, whether or not we come up with a flat tax. (laughs) Well, but the truth is, but we can, I mean, we have sales taxes. That's a flat tax. Mm Mm-hmm. But how com- if you knew something about sales tax, you would know that it's outrageously complex. 
Sales and, tax? How is it complex? If I go, oh my, if I go, oh, it's very, very. If complex. I go to Nordy's, I pay what seven point seven five. If you go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, you say I'm, uh, I'm taking it to go, yeah, you pay a tax, yeah, or you don't if you stay there. Yeah, so, why do I pay a tax if I leave, but not if I stay there? Complications. The rules are outrageously complex. Yeah. You just don't have to deal with it because you go, they charge you or they don't charge you. You don't think about it. Now, as part of your strategy, here we live in a border town, and there was a big event here in San Diego for the the um, area, this business corridor here that includes the border because we've got a lot of people who own businesses here in San Diego and Makia doors and different businesses down across the border. Do you help people try to figure out, because Trump says with his plan that he's going to come up with tax strategy to bring jobs back to America. So that would be, I guess, under the scenario that somebody like Oceanside Glass, who sent his manufacturing down to Tijuana, but he still has some operations here. He was on close up that that there's a tax strategy that might encourage him to bring his manufacturing back to San Diego. Is that a, you know, the area here, you know, tax policies, you know, business strategy, consulting, is that type of, is that a possibility? Because that's kind of what Trump's plan is. He's saying, I'm going to bring jobs back to America by lowering tax rates. Trump doesn't have a plan. What? <laughs> he does not have a plan. It's all about him saying that he can do this, that, or the other. Virtually everything he talks about, he's not going to be able to do. So then- There's a real world there. Okay. I, I'm really struggling with... Uh, his admission that he's only been doing this for 10 months and nobody gets on that. I mean, well, a lot he of is, people are on that. Who are you chatting with, Al? You're so busy working around the clock for your client. <laughs> That's what I hear all the time. But a lot of people well, say because about he's, a- he's been there for 10 months. Look, look at how he's handled um, the issue of uh, getting um, the, the terminology for the, 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 um, uh, the I, I'm for, for this is not what I usually think about, and I'm, well, I'm struggling pushing. with the word That's okay. that the state delegates. Oh he's, yeah, he's he's won he's won a plurality. Yes, probably not even forty percent of the electorate that is Republican. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he wants to win the election, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do the groundwork to get. The delegates. Well, that's so this, talk about. Da, 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 <laughs> I have the floor. Yeah, okay, so, yeah the floor. You know what Spicoli. I'm saying is he's See, he's not the strategist that yeah. everybody talks about. Well, and that's why I want to get inside of it because there's a difference between I don't I don't necessarily connect the ability to be a great president with whether or not you're doing great with the delegates on the ground because President Obama ran the greatest campaign in American well, history. Well, what are you going to connect it with? What I, are you going to connect it with? Well, and let me finish. I got the floor, <laughs> baby. But then also I look at the situation and I go, well, um, there's a lot of bad shenanigans that are going on with the delegates. Uh, I've read some articles in terms of a pack that's really that there's not supposed to be coordination between a campaign and super PACs, but there's a super PAC called the OPP that's bumping up real close to Ted Cruz's campaign that's doing some chicanery going to already bound delegates from Trump that are already his and going around the system and bribing and booking them hotel rooms and stuff like that. So it's kind of like they're bound to him for maybe one ballot. 
or two ballots, but, depending on the right. state. Do we still want? But do we? Are we still okay with the fact that? And I would say this: if it, whoever it is, I'm not okay with you going to a bound delegate and trying to wine and dine them and offer them stuff in order to to secure them on the second round while you're coming up with this cruise Kasich thing in order to, it's like this two prong approach. We're going to go and try to wine and dine these already bound Trump delegates so that we can, if it gets to the second round, they'll come our way after we've bribed them. And now we're going to also do this to try to force a contested convention so that we can try to get to that second round. Let the will of the voters. I'm saying you, yes, you need to be out there working the ground game. I'm all for that, but I'm really all for a, about um, transparency in the process, and I'm about the will of the voters. Trump's doing the same thing. He always has. Mm-hmm. He has he has spent probably millions of dollars on liberal candidates. Now he's running as a Republican. It's right. it's it's the game. It's politics. Right. I've got a friend of mine who's president of a hospital chain here in in California, and he's a hardcore conservative, and he gives as much, if not more, to Democrats than to Republicans because he's like he's the game. And I and it's, I cannot. It's for I access. cannot. You pay for access. Well, and you also pay to not be punished because you look at what happened with a president and CEO of was it Yahoo or whatever who when he when he supported uh, Proposition Eight he ended up losing his job or whatever it was because he had supported Proposition Eight. So, um, bottom line on taxes in AV areas, I want to get back to that because I asked you about flat tax. Do you think it's viable? You're a business consultant. What do you want? What tax plan strategy do you want to see for your clients out of the candidates that we have out there? Well, I would like to see some policy, some tax policy. What we have right now is the result of special interests. The rules are out outrageously complex. The government doesn't understand them and they're afraid that advisors like me who are strategic mm-hmm. outthink them so they don't give guidance on rules such as the economic substance doctrine and its cajillion derivatives like step transaction, uh, sham, a business purpose. It goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And its genesis goes back to around 1913, but definitely to 1933 with the Supreme Court decision in Gregory versus Helvering that is now cited for everything. Mm -hmm. So what is happening is that the government, the IRS, imposes imposes its business judgment Mm -hmm. on the taxpayer. Right. And that's not sanctioned by the Supreme Court or any law. It's certainly not by our Constitution. And I have argued <laughs> Thank that what, you. Yeah, what's going on with the left is straight out of the Communist Manifesto. And people are like, no, Andrea, Marxism is about the the government owning the uh, means of production via pink slip. And I'm saying, look, if they're if they're controlling it entirely by regulations and taxation, they don't need the pink slip. It's the same thing. Right. But why don't we have a flat tax? That's because the flat tax, the sales taxes, the use taxes, those kinds of taxes are for local jurisdictions. They're not federal. Mm -hmm. That's why we don't have it. Right. Well, I'm glad to have you here with me. My Spicoli (laughs) is back with me. Where can people get more information about you and your business genius? Well, I have a website. Yes. Aviaris and Co. Dot com. All right. And will you come back and be oh, a part of, of my show? Awesome. Oh, 
Yeah, we're going to have fun. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Maybe for being- we'll talk about tax next time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's all a part of it. We're going to take a. Uh, oh, okay. I guess I rolled right through a break hanging out here with my Spicoli. Okay. Last three minutes of the show. Um, speaking of rolling over people, speaking of boundaries, one boundary that that it occurred to me, I agreed last week that Donald Trump kind of blundered this North Carolina bathroom situation. I think that he didn't put enough thought into it. And and I I don't think that he who has run as the anti-PC candidate decided to be PC. I just think to him, he's kind of a libertarian guy. And he's like, well, let people go to whatever bathroom suits their choice. I don't think he really saw the big picture at play here. And that concerns me. Just like when uh, Cruz was arguing in 2014 to bring Syrian refugees here, it showed me that he had not really thought through and didn't understand all the implications that are at, at, at play here. Somebody said to me last week, well, San Bernardino hadn't happened yet. Well, you know what? I've been arguing against the imp- importation of immigrants from some of these countries going back 10 years. I didn't need San Bernardino to happen to tell me not to bring them here. Why did he? Trump also did not give a full thought to the situation with the bathrooms because it's not really about what bathroom anybody uses. That's really not at play here. What the play is about is it's about encroaching against more and more boundaries of traditional America. It's cultural Marxism at play. That's what it's about here. It's about overtaking the majority of the people, beating them down into submission so that the left can create the culture that they want and will just submit to it. We're becoming sheep. That's what it's about. You really think the left gives a hoot as to whether or not some Caitlyn Jenner gets to use the bathroom that they want to use? Of course, that's not what it's about. It's always about the bigger picture. They always use the different identity groups to get their control over on the people. But that's always what the play is. And so my message is to to not only encourage people to see the bigger picture and Trump as well, but for the average Americans to not fall for it. You know, I, well, we're, we're supposed to just allow this to happen happen under the false guise of that to make sure that somebody doesn't feel comfortable. Where in the Constitution does it protect you from not feeling uncomfortable? I don't go into the men's room because it might make Al Arias uncomfortable if I were to go into a group men's room. And it doesn't mean that any man who would be uncomfortable hates me. So it doesn't mean that I hate any transgender person because I don't think that they should have access to going to use whatever group restroom is available with little girls in it. This is about what it's always about, people. Liberalism is always about ultimately control. So thank you for being here with me. Let's keep this conversation rolling. Follow me on on, uh, Twitter and Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Dijon is waving his arm off to get me off the show tonight. I'm going to be right back here tomorrow night, 2 p.m., Tuesday, 8 p.m., right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. Have a great night, everybody.